0: This show is part of the Darkmoor Podcast Network. To join our community Discord or see more content from our members, visit darkmoorpodcasts.com. As a game master, what's holding you back from running your first game? When you do run it, what should you prioritize? And what are the common traps that GMs fall into? I'm John Tanaka, and these are the questions we're pondering in this episode of Dragonmind in the Clouds. Hello everyone and welcome to Dragonmind in the Clouds. The TTRPG podcast where we discover our best selves through gaming. To support this podcast, drop us a five star review in your podcasting app of choice. It's a little thing that goes a long way. Today's episode is all about getting started, mostly from the perspective of a new game master. However, getting started isn't just something for beginners. Experienced GMs get started all the time, with new player groups, campaigns, and game systems. So I'm curious what insights you veterans have about today's topic, too. Let us know by sending your thoughts about today's episode at dragonmindpodcast at gmail.com, or in the Dragonmind channel on the Darkmoor Podcast Community Discord. In our first three In the Clouds episodes, we talked about bigger, broader things that could help your game mastering be more mindful and enjoyable. While writing those episodes, the big question I kept asking myself was, if I was a player, what would I want my GM to be like? For me, I'd want them to be imaginative and thoughtful, putting the human experience before the rules. I'd want them to be attentive to what their players find rewarding about their game, rather than rewarding them when they do what I would want them to do. And upon reflection, i found that the games I've enjoyed the most from the player side of things are the ones where the GM had a clear promise for a game and were able to deliver. While thinking about what I wanted to do for today's episode, I happened to listen to an episode of Cal Newport's Deep Questions podcast called Start With Discipline, and I had an aha moment. Rather than continuing to talk about values or characteristics of a mindful GM, Today, we're asking, what's holding you back from starting in the first place? After all, the broader things only make sense in the context of an actual experience. Those first three episodes are still a great starting place. It's good to go into your first session understanding the value of being impeccable with your word, not taking things personally, not making assumptions, and always doing your best. The point of the game is not for your players to do what you expect, but rather to discover what all of you find rewarding about TTRPGs. While all these ideas are simple and deep, the key word is that they're simple, meaning that the next step is to start. This is where most people get stuck. They don't start. They like the idea of starting, but something stops them, and we're here to ask, what? When digging down, I find that a lot of rationalizations emerge. I don't know the rules well enough. I don't know who'd play with me. I don't think I have the time. I find that most of them really boil down to one of two conclusions. Either the conditions aren't right, or I'm not ready. Well, what are the conditions that are right? Oftentimes, prospective game masters will have reasons like, I don't have time, but also not really define what that means. Do you need to have the same day free every week? Do you need at least six consecutive hours to make it work? If you're not actively thinking about it, either you're missing the opportunity to create the conditions in the first place, or you're unable to recognize when the conditions do allow for you to do the thing. The same process works for the I'm not ready. Again, what are the parameters of what ready looks like? For me, getting ready for my latest campaign that I'm running, I wasn't ready to start until I was finished with my reference document. There was a point when preparing for that campaign when I knew it wasn't time yet, but there was a defined endpoint when I knew I had done enough. There were a few bullet points I wanted established, like a certain amount of world history developed, homebrew rules written out, and equipment options that I wanted fleshed out before holding session zero. Most of the time, though, I find that would-be GMs aren't defining it like that. They're letting the rationalization win. If you're a prospective GM, your conditions don't need to be as thorough as what I just described. We'll elaborate on this in a bit, but for scheduling, you really need four consecutive hours free once, and a decent grasp of the important rules of whatever system you're running. For 5e D&D, the important rules are rolling a D20 and figuring out what to add or subtract, maybe have the other dice in mind for damage or particular effects. My point is that it's easy to think the job is harder than it is from a rules standpoint. I will say that if you even have an inkling that GMing might be something you'd enjoy or find interesting, there's no amount of preparation that's going to completely prevent any kind of cringiness or any kind of awkwardness as you're getting started, but just once, test it out for yourself. You may find that it's overwhelming and that you don't like it, or Like me and so many others, you may find that it's one of the most rewarding and powerful gifts you can give your friends at your table. There's a lot of discovering your best self that can happen as a player, but i found that it's peanuts in comparison to the feeling of joy and significance that comes from being a GM. Now that isn't to say I think that if you've been thinking about GMing, you should pause this podcast, create a Roll20 account, and immediately start looking for players to GM online. In my experience, big sweeping gestures rarely lead to long-lasting personal transformation. I'm a big believer in consistent, intentioned baby steps. One baby step that will sound obvious is to play in someone else's game. If you aren't sure what the rules are or which rules are more important than others, you can learn that quickly by being a player. That isn't to say that that GM will get all the rules right either. In fact, I find it's almost better to experience that because it's a reminder that as a GM, you don't have to be perfect. All in all, you'll get a sense of how the game works and flows, and it'll help rewrite the soundtrack that might be playing in your head that I don't know all the rules. It's okay. I don't either. If you're having trouble becoming a player in somebody's game, there are also other fantastic ways to immerse yourself in TTRPG gameplay. Some examples include the other actual play podcasts here in the Darkmoor Podcast Network, including Advantage, Crit Like a Girl, Playing Out of Character, How Friends Roll, The Misadventurers... And of course, there are other examples like Critical Role or Dimension 20. Another baby step I recommend is running a solo game where you're both a GM and running a party of player characters. I'm also a huge believer in solo TTRPGing. I think it's a great creative outlet for GMs trying to scratch a particular storytelling itch, and the experience teaches you about how you process information. There's a lot less pressure too, Since you're not concerned about the real-world enjoyment of other people, you can play the way you want to play and take all the time you want figuring out the rules. Many TTRPGs have starter sets or beginner boxes with sample adventures. If you're thinking about GMing 5th edition D&D, I'd start out with the original 2014 starter set adventure, Lost Mine of Phandelver. You can use the pre-generated character sheets as your party, and you can walk yourself through a chapter or two of the adventure. If you feel shaky on the rules, you can take all the time you need looking up the relevant ones. You'll also learn what details you key in on and which ones aren't relevant. For Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I equally recommend the beginner box. As someone completely new to the system, I got a lot of enjoyment out of it when I played a solo run of Menace Under Otari. I got a really good sense of the different character roles and the action economy and how much my players would have to learn to enjoy the system themselves. Now one warning, when you play a solo game there will be certain outcomes that occur due to your decision and die rules. If you run the exact same adventure for live players, expect that the outcome will be wildly different. It's actually a rarity that the outcomes will be similar. And that's one of the great joys of being a GM. No matter what you prepare, you'll always be surprised. Okay, let's say you've decided to try GMing for live players. When GMing, what's important and what's not? What do we prioritize? The obvious answer here is that the game should be enjoyable. It should be fun. Everyone enjoys playing together. The only issue with this answer alone is that it's vague. Fun means different things to different people. One person may have fun playing chess. Another may have fun playing basketball. To me, those are two very different kinds of fun. A third person may like both of them and a fourth may like neither. Because fun by itself is such a vague concept, it can be hard to define and measure. And while it's undoubtedly critical to how successful a game was, it's hard to talk about by itself out of context. So I usually pair it with another word, worthwhile. Did the time we spent playing this game feel well spent? Even if I had fun, do I want to play this again? I've talked to many GMs that thought, probably rightly so, that their players had fun in their sessions. But for some reason, they can't keep a campaign going. But it was fun, they tell me. Why is scheduling such a problem? There are a lot of possible answers to this question. I've had my answers shift over time, so I'll share with you what my current theory is that is subject to either being refined or changed over time. Basically, it's that it has to do with the worthwhileness of a game. Alright, tell me if this sounds familiar. You start a new campaign, and everyone sits down for a session zero. Everyone gets really excited about their characters, their backstories, maybe even the world you set up. All the usual checkboxes are being checked. You sit down for the first session. There's a lot of good role playing. People are in character. There are some jokes, some good laughs, and the party meets the quest giver. The quest is set, and now they're off. We'll pause here and pick up again next time. What's wrong with that? For most people, that's D&D. That's exactly what they expect a TTRPG to be like. It sounds fun, like what most GMs dream. So why doesn't it last? Well, the first question I want to ask is, how long was that session and how soon is the next one? The answer to that will often predict for me whether the game will last or not. If the answer is two hours and next week, there's a decent chance that the game will fizzle. Why? To answer that, let's get some context by looking at the next session. The party arrives in the dungeon. Investigating the first room, they find bodies of goblins. As they go in further, they discover that part of the dungeon is a kobold colony. They are brought to the kobold queen, Eustrail, who tells them that the kobolds are at war with an invading army of goblins. There's some back and forth, and the queen points them to the goblins hideout, where the players are ready to fight some goblins. We'll pause and pick it up next time. Okay, that's another two hours of game time. But in real-world time, it's two weeks, even though you've only been playing for a total of four hours. In that week in between, players may reasonably forget the name of the kobold queen, the region of the world they're in, the point of the quest, their little mechanics they never use, all those unnecessary details. Even if you do everything right as a storyteller, and they do everything right in terms of note-taking, still, it's going to be hard to maintain the emotional continuity of the game character when you as the player have a week of real-world events interrupting it in between. It makes it harder and harder to feel like every session is worthwhile, especially if it feels like missing one session doesn't really matter in the overall campaign. Translation, each session isn't as worthwhile. It's okay to miss. An okay to miss once easily leads to an okay to miss twice. And now we're tumbling down the cliffside to a campaign fizzling. Even putting that aside, more practically, this is where scheduling things come up. A niece has a concert, someone has a baby shower, a car breaks down, you get hung up at work. The longer there's time in between sessions, the more chances that life will create an obstacle to playing again. It's not anyone's fault either, it's just life. So with this in mind, if you're running a game for the first time, Or even if you're running a new campaign you don't want to fizzle. Or even if you want to save a current campaign from fizzling. I find the way of preventing that from a scheduling perspective is to close the story loop. If you have less time to play, this becomes proportionately more difficult. If you're a new GM, you don't want to leave anything open-ended at the end of your first session. You want to introduce a quest, have your players go on the quest, and complete the quest all in the same session. The longer you let it go on, the greater the chances are that it won't end. Pacing is everything. Now, I'm not saying to rush all the creative content you have. I am saying only introduce enough that it can be properly digested Enclosed closed within whatever timeframe you have. Like a lot of businesses, many TTRPG campaigns die from indigestion rather than starvation. Now this means you may not quote unquote get a lot done each session, but in actuality to your players, they're getting a lot done. Each session feels worthwhile because they can trust that they can look forward to something ending and being completed. And if there's a last minute cancellation, no big deal. No one has to miss out on anything because we were going to start something rather than pick up something in the middle of things. And remember those little details like the kobold queen's name? Players are much likelier to remember it if they use it in the same session that she was introduced in rather than trying to remember it a week later. And if they do use it correctly, they feel good role-playing in character. That's the point. There's not this disconnected feeling of, my character knows this, but I just can't seem to remember it as a player. Your players feel more fulfilled by you doing less. They have fun, and each session feels worthwhile. And if they miss a session, it has less impact on the overall campaign. So in addition to your players enjoying the game, your core objective starting your first session is to open and close a smaller story loop. If you have to end in the middle of things, it's not the end of the world, but it does mean you didn't meet your pacing objective. Now, because I know a lot of you listening are coming from a fifth edition D&D background, and that is my game of expertise, I can also advise some additional parameters that I found can help a new GM be successful with that system. First things first. Only invite four players to be in your party. The difficulty here is you may actually find that more players want to play than you're ready for. D&D isn't the basement-dwelling, stigmatized hobby it used to be. A lot of people love playing D&D. You may be surprised which of your friends want to join in. But if you want to be successful and you want to deliver a good experience... I cannot emphasize enough the value of being discerning about who you invite, especially to your first game. Now, the game's system can run fine with three to six players, but for the sake of you learning and not being overwhelmed, four tends to really be the magic number. Ideally, you'll also want players that have some experience with the game's mechanics. Teaching new players the game is a whole separate skill set, and learning how to GM yourself while trying to teach new players doesn't tend to end well. Trust me, I have made that mistake more than once. Next, schedule for four hours. This will give you some wiggle room as you start to hone your sense of pacing. You'll actually want to prep content for three. This may sound counterintuitive. But if your game ends early and you only play for three hours, you do meet your objective, which is closing the story loop. Closing the story loop is more important than playing the maximum amount of time, because the time you did play will feel worthwhile. Because of this, for your first session, I would plan on running one combat encounter. Combat is usually the most time consuming part of 5th edition. Have your first few scenes build to a climactic combat encounter, and then resolve any loose ends from there. Again, for 5e specifically, I'd also recommend that the players bring level 4 characters. Level 4 characters tend to be survivable enough that if you're a little inaccurate with your encounter balancing, they'll be able to recover one way or another. Like scheduling, you're setting yourself up so you have wider margins for error. I call this the rule of fours. To learn how to GM 5th edition, you have four players for four hours with level four characters. To reiterate until I'm blue in the face, your objective for this first game you run is for it to be both enjoyable and worthwhile. To do so, being aware of the real world time you're spending on things is more important than immersion techniques, world-building, or compelling storytelling. Here are some questions you can ask to know if your first session was successful. How often are people smiling? It doesn't have to be a literal smile. It could also be through their tone of voice. And not everyone is equally expressive, so if the answer is, "Uh, that player didn't really smile a whole lot, that by itself doesn't mean a player wasn't enjoying themselves. However, it is something to note. How many questions were asked? Engaged players tend to ask questions to understand things. If they care enough to ask, they care enough about the answer. What kinds of questions are they asking? Maybe your explanation was unclear. Maybe they're picking up on a breadcrumb you left behind and are starting to figure things out. Maybe they're interested in developing a dynamic with another character in the story, player controlled or not. Do people ask you when they can play again? If the answer is no, again, that by itself isn't a bad thing. For a lot of us, life is busy. And if your players are like mine, they know that the agreement up front is, we play when I'm done prepping the next session. Still, if your players are chomping at the bit to play again, that's usually a good thing. Last and probably one of the most important, how often did you feel playful while GMing? Players tend to be sensitive. They'll pick up on your energy if you're anxious, tense, off-balance, whatever. If you're not having fun, it makes it harder for them to have fun. In the art of game design, Jesse Schell spends some time examining the definition of a game, and I love the one he eventually lands on. A game is a problem-solving activity approached with a playful attitude. So how playful are you when you're GMing? To loop back to my recommended structure, within three hours, I'd plan for your session to be presented as, one, present the problem, two, explore the problem, three, fight the bad guy, and you have about an hour allocated to each one. This gives you some benchmarks for how quickly or slowly your session is going. Did the players want to spend an hour and a half instead of an hour getting through presenting the problem? Well, that tells you something about your players and how you presented the information. Now, what if they only took 20 minutes? That tells you something else. Again, you give yourself four hours, especially for this first game, in case something takes longer than you thought it would. Now, what if a player pulls an old scheduling switch on you? They sit down at the table and then out of the blue say, sorry, I can actually only stay for two hours. It's going to sound harsh, but what I would say is you continue and finish the game without them. They're telling you something about their scheduling reliability if they're telling you this at the last second. And if you do close the story within that session, if you invite them back, they don't need to know how the previous session resolved in order to start a new story loop the next session. Part of the beauty of starting with smaller, closed, disconnected loops is that if a player can't seem to make the scheduling work, you can reorganize your table with little judgment and little entanglement until you find the players that will prioritize you over whatever else is happening in their lives. Looping back to our introduction, our last section for today's episode is on common traps GMs find themselves in especially when they're starting out. And remember, starting out doesn't mean that experienced GMs don't find themselves here as well. Some of these traps may sound familiar. Trap number one, a GM falls in love with a story before players get involved. We've all been there. We have this awesome villain in mind with a fleshed out backstory and compelling motivation that's going to pull on the heartstrings of our players. Then, as soon as they meet the players, the players hit them with a paralysis spell, Initiative is rolled, and they're turned to dust before getting a word in edgewise. As the GM, we get sad, and we have a hard time approaching the game with a playful attitude. Now, I'm not saying not to care about your game or your story. What I'm reiterating is a warning I said earlier with solo gaming. Beware of becoming too attached to a certain outcome before the story meets your players. Trap number two, over-explaining or over-describing things. Sometimes, an over-explanation is more confusing than not explaining enough. I'm sure there are tables that love super flowery, lengthy descriptions. There's a place for that. For the most part, though, once the game gets rolling, I find that players tend to like to play. That means they're making choices, rolling dice, and getting to talk as their character. The more you're talking as a GM, the less your players are. The more time you can trim from your talking, the more likely it is that you'll be able to finish your story on time. The more your players get to play, the more worthwhile their experience feels. Trap number three, impatience. You try to do too much too soon. This whole episode is about patience. Don't try to run a year-long campaign right off the bat. Learn your style and your player style. Let them learn who their characters are before their world is at stake. Don't let your players promise to a schedule they may not be able to deliver. Test things out first. Trap number four, underpreparedness. Kind of the foil to trap number two, underpreparedness means not having the right things prepared. Know what your boss monster can do, know what its spells and abilities can do where to find its saving throw bonuses. Remember, this is an exercise in respecting your player's time. I find that in general, most GMs over-prepare their story and under-prepare their monsters. It's not about how compelling or engaging your monsters are. It's about how smoothly you can run their mechanics to let your players play as much as they can. Trap number five. Oh, this one can be raw, especially for new GMs. The trap is not being easy to give feedback to. If you get criticized, your feelings might get hurt. That's okay. But if you want to grow and enjoy the game more, who you are when you receive feedback is just as important as the feedback itself. I've listened to several players complain about a session they've played in when I suggest, hey, why don't you tell the GM that? They say either, I don't think they'll really hear me, or I don't want to hurt their feelings. You can learn to be someone that others feel comfortable delivering tough news to, and that's what makes their time feel worthwhile. The inspiration for today's episode was an episode of Cal Newport's Deep Questions podcast, Start With Discipline, linked in the description below. If you've been thinking about GMing and haven't started yet, why not? And if you have, what was your first session like? Let us know by emailing us at dragonmindpodcast at gmail.com or letting us know in the Darkmore Podcast Community Discord. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Dragonmind is a proud member of the Darkmore Podcast Network. To discover more TTRPG content like this, visit darkmoorpodcasts.com. Our theme song, J-Pop, is brought to you by Fezlian Studios. You can check out more of their awesome work at fezlianstudios.com. Have an awesome day and an awesome time at the table. Bye-bye now. Well, Grimton, Merlinda and Ulrich are gone. We're in a new unfamiliar land of Kolgafir. What's our first move? Hilaris, I'm not too certain, but I did hear Fishbelly talking about something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Warlord's half-sister in a meeting. Yeah, that's about the only lead we have so far. We haven't been here long. Might be worth checking out seems like a plan to me. Join us as our party explores an unforgiving region of the cusp and allies with new party members in arc three of Advantage, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons audio drama focused on storytelling and character development in the Darkmoor Podcast Network. Find us in your podcast app.